Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. <clears throat> Dear friends of the Simpson family, we had some sadness and some gladness this year. First the sadness. Our little cat Snowball was unexpectedly run over and went to kitty heaven. But we bought a new little cat, Snowball too. So I guess life goes on. Speaking of life going on, Grandpa is still with us, feisty as ever. Maggie is walking by herself. Lisa got straight A's. And Bart, well, we love Bart. The magic of the season has touched us all. Marge, haven't you finished that stupid letter yet? Homer sends his love. Happy holidays. Marge. The Simpsons. Marge, where's the extension cord? Oh, for heaven's sakes, Homer, it's in the utility drawer. Sorry, I'm just a big kid. And I love Christmas so much. Good evening, and welcome to television. G'day! Hello! Hello! Hey! hey. Whoa. Whoa! I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Yes, and welcome to our Fred Watch Christmas special, where we're looking back at the pilot episode of the longest-running American scripted primetime television series in history. Yes, 30 years ago, TV viewers sat down to watch The Simpsons, Season 1, Episode 1, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. Please explain. When Springfield Nuclear Power Plant Safety Inspector Homer Simpson, Dan Castellaneta, discovers that he will not be getting a Christmas bonus and that the family's savings has been spent on removing his mischievous son Bart's tattoo, he decides to keep their financial troubles a secret and gets additional employment as a shopping mall Santa Claus. However, the job does not pay enough to buy his family Christmas presents and, desperate for a miracle, Homer and Bart head to the dog racing track on Christmas Eve in hopes of winning big. An unintentional series premiere, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire marked the beginning of a worldwide pop culture phenomenon and the first of a number of Christmases that we would spend with this beloved dysfunctional Springfieldian family. So Philip, did you enjoy Roasting with the Simpsons? I have so many questions. Lovely. Yes. So, <laughs> as a bit of context, when I was young... Uh, Simpsons was a little bit taboo in mm. my family yes. and a bit of a running joke, to be honest, mm. because dad was very much one of these, oh, you're not watching that rubbish in mm. this house. <laughs> and that sort of ranged from things to, from the Simpsons to when Big Brother first came on the air. Yeah. And mum was always very much, um, well, you can watch what you want and, uh, don't, don't tell them what they can watch and all this sort of stuff. And so I'd, Mum and I would sit up. So again, a little bit more context. We had the two TVs, one downstairs, one upstairs in the bedroom with Mum. And I'd sit up there in the bedroom with Mum watching Simpsons. And then she'd sort of nudge me and mute the TV. And all of a sudden you could hear the Simpsons playing downstairs. <laughs> Um, so it became a bit of a running gag in our house. Yes, do as I say, not <laughs> as I do. That's it, that's it. I definitely was never as big a fan of The Simpsons as you are, Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I enjoyed them. I was like, yeah, okay, I enjoyed them. I had, you know, I think I had at school one of the Bart Simpson uh, like, uh, folders. And, yeah. You know, every kid had that sort of stuff. I think and, we all at least had one bit of merchandise yeah, of The Simpsons. It, yes. it. I had a small bar plush in yeah. body, but then the head was that plastic. Oh, yes, I remember those. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. I had one of those. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'm definitely familiar with The Simpsons, but mm. not... 
familiar with its lore and its history. Yeah. So, Philip, today's discussion is going to be incredibly difficult for me because when we review films or TV specials and all the wonderful things that we've reviewed in the past, we do our best to review it in a vacuum. Yeah. Especially if it's a part of a franchise. You know, we've reviewed films that have been, you know, part ones of trilogies and other things like Mm -hmm. that and in big genres and things like that. So it is difficult to review something without thinking about everything else that exists in the world. And for something that is so ingrained in popular culture and just everyday discourse, this is going to be difficult. But we're going to try really hard to almost pretend like this is the only Simpsons thing that ever (laughs) existed. It will be harder for me than yourself. But we'll give it a try. Yep. Particularly because we'll break down this particular episode. Yes. And of course, I know that inevitably we'll jump into other things as well. Yeah. But in terms of this, as a pilot episode, as an overall story, how did you find Simpsons roasting on an open fire? Well, this is where... I'm almost going to have to break that. Uh, we're going to try to look at this in a vacuum almost instantly. Yeah. In the sense that it surprised me that this was the first. Yes. Not only is it a Christmas special, mm. which usually is not the first of anything. Yes. But I was pretty sure... I thought there were ones before this. Yes. So, there were ones before this. They were short skits on the Tracy Ullman show for a few years. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah. So, this, however, is the first episode of the primetime half-hour series ah. that we know and yep. love today. Yep. So, it is counted as the pilot because this is when The Simpsons really hit primetime and are on their own. Also, not everybody was familiar with The Simpsons because whilst The Tracy Ullman Show had a good viewership, I'm sure, there was a survey done that about only 14% of Americans had heard of The Simpsons before this episode aired. And then about a year into it, that number had skyrocketed. Yeah, of course. So for a lot of people, especially those of us outside of the United States, this absolutely was the introduction to The Simpsons. Now... In saying that, North America will broadcast their episodes at scheduled times, this one at Christmas. So in Australia, I don't particularly know or think that this one was screened first, Mm. but it was still screened, you know, in its first season. This one as well was not intended to be the first episode. How does that work? Yes. So The Simpsons is animated, or was back then at least, in South Korea. So what happened was that the series was written Mm -hmm. and the first episode is still in season one and an absolute classic. And it's where Bart and Lisa are being, and Maggie are being looked after by someone known as the babysitter bandit. (laughs) So that was supposed to be the first episode Mm -hmm. of the Simpsons. When the team got the animation back, they were not happy with the quality. So even in this episode, you can see that the animation isn't really polished. There's, Mm -hmm. It looks good, but not in the stride that it would be, say, season two onwards. For me, I think the comparison for my generation Mm -hmm. would be South Park. Mm. You know, the beginnings of South Park versus where we're at now. Yeah. Yeah. So... They get back the first batch of episodes. And out of the first batch that returned, this one was of the best quality. So Mm -hmm. Fox was happy, I guess, whether they liked it or not, Mm. to push the pilot back. And it coincided 
with Christmas yeah. because that's when you will do it. Yeah. And then those episode, earlier episodes, including the one with the babysitter abandoned, were sent back for polishing Redoing, up yeah. with, with notes and so forth. So there is an inconsistency in season one in terms of character reveals and so yeah. forth. So if, for example, you go and watch Babysitter Bandit, characters are introduced in a bit of a different way, yeah. right? And other episodes that sort of were supposed to precede this one. Yeah. So this is why this is the unintentional season uh, opener. Yeah. And you're right, why it might feel a bit strange to open with a Christmas special because if we've never heard of these yeah. people before, these characters... Why do we have a special to them? Yes, yeah. they could get away with it because they were on the Tracy Ullman yeah. show. So there was some pre-knowledge, but not to the wider community. Anytime they've done a gag, that gag where they have the really, really bad, like the, I think it's a pointy-headed Marge and a, the really bad animations. Is that what it used to look like on the... Almond show? Oh, so like if they do a bit of a flashback or something yeah, where they, yeah. they flash to it and, yeah. and see them uh, drawn crudely? Yes. Yeah. So that is actually how it would have looked. It's not just a bit of a, a bit of a, oh, ha, 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 if this had been... Yes. So that's actually how it would have looked. Yes. There you go. That's, I think, where a lot of my confusion comes from yeah. as, as well. So the very early episodes from the Tracy Almond show are incredibly rough. Yeah. And the first episode ever of The Simpsons or the very first sketch is called Goodnight. And that actual skit is in an episode. I was going to say because that's with Troy McClure or whatever. Yes, and he jokes. They haven't changed a bit. Yeah, yes. yes. But that's actually the first... Yes. Ah, there you go. Because I'd always just assumed that was them doing a... Like a, a, a pretending that... Oh, like a the, bit of a parody of themselves. Parody of themselves. So that's... There you go. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's actually awesome them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Go. So, you know, Matt Groening's always said, oh, you know, I thought that they would polish them up or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, that's how you give them. That's how you yeah. give them. Uh, so, yeah. So here we're introduced to the family. I think it still works as a pilot episode because the way that the family is introduced is... Like, you know, subtle. Yeah. You know, we begin with Homer and Marge carrying Maggie. We yep. get their sense of personalities as they're going into the school hall yep. to watch their kids perform. We see how Lisa performs. It's very well choreographed. Yeah. You know, she's throwing fire torches and things like that. Very cultural, I suppose. Yep. You're representing a different culture. So it's an informed piece. And then we cut to Bart singing with his class and making a mockery of Jingle yep. Bells, which... A song about Batman smelling is one that we all sang as kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was lovely to have that sort of connection and throwback. Isn't Bart sweet, Homer? He sings like an angel. And then we've got Marge writing a letter and she's talking about Snowball too. And she's yeah. talking about Grandpa. We have that beautiful pan to the photo of Grandpa. So when we see him later, we know who he is mm. and how he fits into this family. And then we get one of the, my all-time favorite gags in The Simpsons is when Homer <laughs> picks up the phone. And it's one of his sister-in-laws who is just draining and terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and th then the stage is set. Mm. The episode there plays on. So in terms of setting up the world of The Simpsons, successful for you or what were your thoughts? 
if that had been the very first episode I'd ever seen, mm. and someone turned around and said, "Hey, look at this newfangled thing, The Simpsons," mm. I would have been a little. I think I, I wouldn't have been lost in the sense of, "Yeah, they do a good job at," mm. but then I think. Shows have done that better. Yeah. Which all points back to, as you said, this is not meant to be the first one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it does a good job. I think it could have done it better. Mm. I'm surprised to know that this is the very first episode that came out, Mm. knowing now what it morphed into, what it's become. Yeah, It's also very interesting to see, because I always knew like the first few seasons... The family, you know, for example, is a bit more functional and a bit more, mm. you know, whereas now it's that sort of real hyped up, yeah, uh, hyper reality sort of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, especially with the first season, and we can even still trying our hardest to look at this episode in a vacuum. <laughs> We're failing miserably, but yeah. to be perfectly honest, I don't care. I yeah, yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, even but this is a, this episode is an example of it, really, in that the Simpsons really tried to ground the show and at least the central family in reality. Mm. So one of the things that we'll notice in this particular episode, the team here are finding their feet Mm. in terms of how to tell a story, in terms of how to make it look, how to animate it, Mm. all of these different things. Even the actors, how to perform it. You know, we notice that Homer sounds different to what we know him as. Even Mr. Burns does as well. You know, again, finding their feet Mm. with with the show. And they Mm. won't really find it until season two. So what we've got here is an episode that I think is actually quite relatable. So Matt Groening had said was one of the challenge was we've got these, his word, grotesque characters. Mm. They're a shade of yellow that people aren't a shade in. Mm. Uh, They look a bit funny. Myself as a child, I remember acknowledging the characters as people, Mm. but not knowing what sort of people they were. I didn't realise that Bart's spikes were actually spiky hair Uh, until an episode where I saw Marge brushing it. Yeah. And I go, oh, that's supposed to be, oh, that's yeah. Bart's hair. Like, so, so Matt Groening, I guess, is right that they are, I guess, grotesque in the mm. way they look. But how do you make these characters relatable? Mm. And they do it really well here. It's a good starting point because they ground them in reality. Yes. So Homer doesn't get his Christmas bonus. Mm. He loves the season so much. He wants to provide a happy Christmas for his family because we sense, and we can sense this by the way, his sister-in-laws, Paddy and Selma, treat him, mm. that he has always struggled. Mm. So remember, we know nothing about Homer up until yes. this point, but he's got a blue collar job. He hangs out in a bar that isn't mm. all that great with reluctance, but still willing to go to a racetrack mm. with his child to save Christmas mm. for his family. Paddy and Summer look down at him, right? So he's seen as a bit of a loser from Mm. those externally. His family, his immediate family, don't see him this way. There is a lot of love for one another in this episode. So there are elements here where they are absolutely relatable about being a family unit that loves one another and that struggles. They are Mm. working class. We can all relate to that. Mm. Which is, again, I find interesting as it goes further into what we know The Simpsons as now. Mm. If you had this same concept and did an episode these days, Bart wouldn't have been the one to egg Homer on to go to the the races. Mm. 
him going to the races would have been his idea and he would have put two mortgages on the house and he would <laughs> it, it all would have been just this hyper thing and then the dog wouldn't have just lost the dog would have uh, blown up or something and <laughs> okay well i don't know is, if i would go that far. no but it is very it's now yeah. no longer in that reality it is Ooh. that and homer these days i honestly believe is not that loving family man that you once saw yeah i well, think but but that's because that's just not where the episodes are it's not about family and yeah well this is one of the critiques of the series is Mm. that it isn't you know it's gone from its roots and from Mm. its golden era Mm. roots of where it's It's can we have special guest cameos it's now about celebrity and this heightened reality yeah so that's interesting point to make though philip because whilst they wanted to ground it in reality. And I think they do a really good job mm. of it here. There's nothing glamorous mm. about the way they live here. They, they have a loving home, mm. but it's not like it's a mansion and they've got all the trimmings no. or anything, right? But what it does do in terms of its cartoonishness mm. is that we've got, you know, Marge keeps the Christmas money jar in her hair. That's yeah. a great gag. That's it. And also Bart's tattoo. So we've got him getting the tattoo in the first place. It's a hilarious gag. Mm. You 21? Yeah, get in the chair. Like, I love that gag. It's yeah. so silly. But then also the angle of the re- the tattoo removal, yeah. you know, is extreme. Yeah. We also then have to accept and totally forget, which I do, mm. that... Once you get a tattoo, you just can't remove it on that same day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is so tender. Yeah, that's it. Who cares though, right? The yeah. point is made and it's obviously a plot device. It's the B plot to push Homer's A plot. That's so it. structurally in terms of a story, they work really well and then merge together at the end for this yes. neat resolution. Yes. Yeah, so overall story, Philip, as a Christmas story, as a Christmas special, Bart's got a gorgeous line about watching TV, miracles happen. Mm. And, you know, just to go back on your earlier point, Philip, about how these days Homer would be the one going and encouraging to go to the Greyhound track. Bart does it not out of greed, not out of, oh, come on, this will be fun or or, this is a cheeky thing to do. It's because there's a belief. Yes. In a Christmas miracle, and he sees this as the avenue of the Simpsons getting their miracle. Mm. It is so sweet. Mm. But as an A and B story, how how did this one work for you, Phil? It is interesting because I almost wonder if this has a proper A and B. Mm. It, not it, not it, traditional one, is no, it? No, no, no. So, and a lot of again outside the vacuum, but yeah. uh, a lot of the Simpsons episodes do seem to have this just singular story, which what it seems to be to me is an inciting incident, Mm. which seems to be off a different story and almost unrelated, that just sort of incites a thing and then we get into the meat of the story. Yes. Now, there are plenty of Simpsons episodes that do have an A and B. Yes, most Um, of the classic ones do. These days, it's they seem to want to fill so much into an episode that it's easy to have it as a singular story. Yeah. Yeah. But this one to me did feel a lot more single story. It was sort of a A and B was simply, you know, A is Homer's mm-hmm. uh, money struggles. B is the whole thing with the mall and that. Mm-hmm. But then it merged almost, what, quarter of the way in, merged to the single story of Homer trying to fix these issues. Yes, and then it would sort of cut to Marge and the kids Mm. at home anticipating Homer. Yeah, which I don't know if that's so much a a B story as much as just a supporting... 
Uh, yeah, I, arc. Yeah, I don't think it's a traditional B story no. because you can't really link what Bart does with them as mm. the, as the secondary story. That's it. But what I think it does is that it you know, reflects back onto the family. Also, yeah. we need a breather as yeah. well from what Homer is doing. For So, you know, you can have the time lapses and time jumps and yeah. things like that. In terms of storytelling, though, mm. as well, Philip, one of the things that I think you've probably picked up here, especially maybe I'm assuming you're more familiar with the more contemporary ones of, yeah, of The Simpsons, yeah. probably the more recent ones, is that the pacing is incredibly slow. Mm. So... This is generally a problem in terms of storytelling because it needs, you know, you need it to be punchy yeah, and pacey, yeah. maintain attention, you know, and Fox wasn't even sure that the Simpsons going from like one to two minute skits could stretch out to yeah. 24 minutes. And the pacing in this episode isn't the fastest. Mm. And that is evident in season one, really, yeah. that the pacing is slow. I've got my thoughts on this, but mm-hmm. I'm curious as to whether the pacing of this episode and maybe any of the other earlier ones you might be thinking of bothered you. If anything, actually, it was quite nice. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, and I, again, I couldn't give you exact things, but I'm pretty sure my base knowledge of The Simpsons is that golden era. Mm. Definitely sort of your season two onwards. Mm. Anything that was, you know, your, your uh, after school uh, <laughs> uh, uh, repeats. So yeah. All the more modern stuff, and for me, it's probably that episode. Like, like I vaguely remember. Mm. I'm sure there's stuff before and after around it, but it was that episode with Mel Gibson, yeah, where they're remaking the movie. That was really that point of this has just gone stupid for me. Right. That I started getting a bit sort of away from it, yeah. Um, again, never watching it religiously, but mm. really going, yeah, I'm done, yeah. Sort of from that onwards. Uh, again, I don't know where that fits into mm. the, the whole canon and all that. But for me, that sort of episode onwards, it all became too fast-paced. It became, as you say, trying to fit so much in, trying to make these big, bold episodes. And let's see what other weirdness we can do. And to me, it almost felt like it was trying to make that sort of catch-up game, as it were, with things like Family Guy or South Park. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that particular episode. So that episode is called Beyond Blunderdome, mm-hmm. and it is the first episode of season 11. Mm-hmm. The golden era of The Simpsons is generally accepted mm-hmm. as the first 10 seasons. Ah, there you go. Yeah, some don't regard season one as golden era. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do (laughs) but generally after season 10 is where people start to debate about the Simpsons and and how it went and personally I could see why Hmm. so I actually and and I think with that in mind without knowing sort of where 2 to Hmm. 10 sort of sat in pacing yeah I do remember slower episodes Hmm. and episodes that let the story go through its full arc as yeah, just sort of to unfold the unfold as opposed to the newer ones which is like lots of little skits sort of sewn together and yeah see i absolutely love the first season and mm-hmm. huge defender of it this episode i really enjoy because i agree with you philip the pacing is lovely and actually quite refreshing is it slow yes do i mind not no. at all why because i connect with these characters yeah Homer does something here, and I'll be honest, I've seen this episode a few times, Mm -hmm. but I actually noticed for the very first time (laughs) you and I watching it today. Oh, there you go. 
I noticed this. When Homo and Flanders bump mm-hmm. outside of the store and the presents fall everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's always been a touching moment for me. Mm-hmm. And, oh, let's see what's yours. Let's see what's mine. Mm-hmm. Everything that fits in the paper shopping bag belongs to Homer. These beautiful, big wrapped boxes with gorgeous bows and shiny paper mm. all belong to Flanders. And then you've got Todd saying, very innocently, no malice whatsoever, because the Flanders aren't like that. Mm-hmm. Mr. Simpson, you know, here's your pork chop or squeaky toy, whatever he says mm. to him, you know. Here's your pork chop. Yeah. And it really enforces how much Homer is struggling mm. because he's seeing a number of presents Mm. and he's seeing them look so beautiful and Homer knows what he's got in his brown paper bag and very innocently Flanders and and Todd walk off you know to go back to their car and go back home and Todd's so excited about Christmas best one ever Mm. as kids always say every single year Mm -hmm. and Homer has that brief moment and he cries Mm. and I have never noticed that Mm. tear fall down his cheek before and this is what the Simpsons do extraordinarily well these animated characters who yeah are people but don't look quite like everyday people look a little bit funny and have exaggerated expressions and homer can fall off anything and live to tell (laughs) the tale they make you feel for them yeah they in this moment of time when you're sitting down for these 25 minutes they are absolutely real humans with real feelings that we can relate to it is such a beautiful beautiful thing to watch Mm. and what helps get all of these messages across is the pacing Mm. and yes traditionally would we want it paced a little quicker yeah sure absolutely Mm -hmm. but the pacing that it does have absolutely serves the point of this episode i I think think. and homer is for you know the second half or at least the third act really sullen Mm. because he just feels like an absolute failure yeah Now, we could argue that there is this hilarious gag of Homer and Bart looking up ticket stubs and so forth, trying (laughs) to find a winner after Mm. Santa's Little Helper loses. Mm. How sad is it, though? Like, it's played with great humor and love and so forth. And again, the mess in the parking lot is exaggerated. Mm. Oh, isn't that funny how many people, you know, lost and threw away their stubs and stuff like that? There's something so sad about it on Christmas Eve that a father and his son are doing that because little boys look up to their dads, mm. you know, most of the time in the traditional storytelling sense. And Bart himself has so much respect for Homer after he pulls the fake Santa beard off him because he says when they go away, you must love us so much to stoop this low. No, yeah. And of course, being a Santa is not is not a low <laughs> job at no, all. No, it, no. It's a gorgeous one. You're yeah, making so yeah. many people happy. But Bart sees it that way. Why? Because Milhouse and Lewis... And himself are making fun of the, you know, the fake Santa down there before Bart realizes who he is. Mm. But he's getting so much respect. And I think even more so because Homer says it. No one knows I'm doing this. I didn't want you to miss out on Christmas. It's rare to get that in sitcoms even now Mm. and it not come off like cheesy. Yeah. This is the thing. The sentiment in this episode, I believe a hundred percent. I invest so much in these characters in the little time frame that we have with them. I believe it all. Mm. And because of that, when you've got some of the cartoonish gags, 
the money jar, mm. the the laser tattoo removal thing. Homer just even falling off yeah, <laughs> the roof, roof into yeah. the sand, just bouncing back up again. Yeah. You buy all of that. It is a perfect balance, mm. and it's served by the pacing. It we take our time with these characters. You couldn't make it today yeah. and have people's attention sustained. I think. Yeah. I think people would get bored of it. It's Possibly, similar to what yeah. you've said, Phil. You know, are there better ways of introducing a series? Absolutely. Mm. And I'm probably more forgiving of, say, its pacing or the way the story unfolds and the way it's animated and things like that because you, I guess you can't help but watch it with, yeah. with pre-knowledge and affection for these characters. But when you go back to episodes like this one, you just realise how sweet mm. this family can actually be and how much they've got each other's back. Most certainly. Yeah, it's a beautiful message about the family dynamics i think mm. and we love that because you know it's counterbalanced with patty and yeah Summer. yeah that's it. That's it. <laughs> and i find it really interesting too because what this came out in the sort of late 80s early 90s yep so this came out in 1989 and is the only simpsons episode released in the 80s yep so it for me at that sort of time you did have a lot of these sort of sitcoms which were centred around, you know, almost the perfect family mm. or the, the and it was always about the, the message of, you know, the, the, the beautiful message and all that. And while this still brings the beautiful message, it shows that hey, you can have that without all the money. Yeah. You can have that without the functional family. You can still mm. be a family that doesn't quite get along, as it were, and still be you know wonderful and happy and beautiful and all that jazz Mm. and one of the things i think that it is quite successful as because i know the writers were a little concerned or at least had a thought about can homer for example be likable are we still on his side when he steals a christmas tree Mm. you know because stealing is wrong Mm. right um because none of us have ever done it (laughs) but He's going down the road, and it's a hilarious gag. He's getting angrier and angrier as he sees all the prices of the yeah. Christmas trees, even the irregular ones, the yeah. ones that aren't that great looking are $45. Yeah. He can't afford that. Yeah. So he breaks into a lot and chops down a tree and you know runs away and is being chased by, by yeah. dogs and, and, and gunfire. You don't really care at that stage in terms of... You feel his desperation and it's not, as you say, it's not out of that greed. It's not out of that, I'm going to one-up everyone. It's out of that, I need to do this for my family. Yeah, I want them to have a beautiful Christmas Mm. because even though... The, the fact that he didn't get his bonus is not his fault, Mm. clearly. That's a business decision made by Mr. Burns. Mm. However, he inevitably feels that pressure yeah. because it's what they've always relied on, yeah. one assumes, yeah, yeah, yeah. as well as money that From goes the into the Christmas drive. Yeah. yeah, And I think, again, if we sort of look forward to other uh, things, this is, I think, why, and I know the debate's been yeah. <laughs> huge, but again, for me, later seasons, as you say, season 11 onwards, yeah. it lost that heart. I personally feel it lost that... Oh, I agree with you 100%. I mean, just springing to mind is an episode where Homer's listing off all the jobs he's had. (laughs) It's a hilarious gag, don't get me wrong. Yeah, definitely a hilarious gag. And I think that's, for me, what The Simpsons has become now. Hilarious gags, not brilliant stories. Yes. And so, like, yeah, that's a hilarious gag, but 
you sit there and go, yeah, okay, any hardship you guys have now mm. is through greed or stupidity <laughs> or, or or it's almost self self-inflicted or at least any luck you have is by luck by <laughs> any luck. fortune is it. luck yeah that's it. and to me that's lost and again maybe we could line up and i'm not going to go into it right now because mm. again the debates have been done but yeah you could maybe line up the eras and the dates and yeah the, and, and you know what what's changed over the last 20 30 odd years mm. what has been different to make um to make the writers go, okay, well, we want we wanted it to be about this family and about mm. show reflecting the American society and yeah. to now just this wisecracking, almost everyman hero yeah. sort of sort of character. Yeah, it's just, for me it is very fascinating. These two very different shows. Yeah, and I think look when you've got a series running for three decades. Mm. An evolution is inevitable. is inevitable. Again, an episode like this could not be made today. Mm-hmm. And whether we like it or not, if The Simpsons stayed this way, it would not have lasted 30 years. No. So I feel like when we do look back on the golden era, that a lot of nostalgia is yeah. in it. But rightly so. Because mm. if you're going to introduce anyone to The Simpsons, you have to start from this episode yeah. and go onwards. Mm. We've got a lot of different character dynamics here. And why I really enjoy this, even as a pilot or just as a standalone special, is that you really see who the characters are are here Mm. they will play with the character dynamics and personalities especially throughout the first season but for example lisa who is my favorite simpsons character Mm -hmm. is so beautifully on display here Mm. so we know that she is creative because of the manner she represents christmas from another culture Mm. in her introduction Mm. We know that she has a wonderful child innocence. We know that she is still an eight-year-old. Why? Because she asks for a pony multiple times on her list to Santa. She believes in Santa Claus. Bart doesn't. He Mm. makes a cynical comment about the fat man who brings us presents. Lisa doesn't hear it. Mm. She believes. And she has such a beautifully heartbreaking line when Marge says I've told you essentially for the past three years Santa can't fit a pony in his sleigh but she says I really want one and I've been really good this year that is just gorgeous like that is purity right there Mm. however we also know that Lisa while she is yeah an eight year old girl loving the happy little elves that's boring everyone else Mm. to tears while they're waiting for Homer and Bart to return home (laughs) Puts her Aunt Patty in her place Mm, mm. when she bags out Homer. Mm. And she says about Homer being a male role model and really the key figure who she will set her expectations Mm. about what men will be like and should be like. Mm. Which I think in this episode and what I can extrapolate then to Mm. the first few seasons... I'd definitely say fits beautifully. Oh, absolutely. One thing that you do find when you watch The Simpsons, and I know that it's like, oh, you know, parents love their kids. (laughs) Parents have (laughs) favourites. But one thing that you see as a common thread, and 
displayed here I very briefly I suppose mm -hmm. it, it's probably not as explicit here but you can see the hints of it is that Lisa is daddy's little girl mm. they clash more than anyone within that family unit mm. but she loves him so much mm. and he to her mm. Bart is very openly Marge's special little guy mm. that's the name she will give him I love those dynamics and I love that you can see parent and child. So regardless of the, the quips or the wisecracks, even when Homer comes home and Patty and Selma are, you know, messing with them and hugging them and things like yeah. that, they're so happy. Like, oh my gosh, daddy's here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no denying this family has each other's back. Mm. And I guess it's even heightened because it is Christmas time. Yeah. They all love the season. They all believe in it. And it's sweet because in the Christmas episodes, Bart and Lisa especially are never more children than during the Christmas episodes. Yeah. And it's quite gorgeous to see that. It's interesting you say that these days you couldn't get away with an episode like this. I mm. wonder, because everyone you know has been so hard on The Simpsons for mm. the past however long, if they were to have tried to maybe move back in that direction, mm. it'd make them a point of difference from things like Family Guy mm. and South Park. Now, the beauty of South Park is that it's political. Yes. It, it, that is really its biggest strength. It's never really trying to be a family show no. or, a, or a show for, like The Simpsons was, yeah. being like, hey, let's... Uh, have family and that mm. sort of it really truly is a trying to be a reflection of society yes and they are brilliant at that yes well I believe that even South Park they sort of do the episodes almost like on a weekly yeah, basis they turn week, them yeah, really quickly so Tuesday's so be, topical yeah. and relevant yeah absolutely now Family Guy I think is the closest take on The Simpsons mm. so they've got the, the most sort of in common mm. and I would say as I sort of mentioned before it feels like The Simpsons went down this path of oh we need to a bit more like Family Guy because we're we're a uh, uh, losing audience so we're literally but Family Guy's never had heart it is not about it is the Family Guy is literally skits sewn together mm. with a story and it's and that's its point yeah and i but i also feel though it's never been as good of a show no that's because that, of it yeah and so, that's sort of what i'm driving at yeah. so it makes me go and again i don't know the history well enough to be asserting that oh yeah simpsons definitely were mm. trying to answer the family guy issue yeah i don't think they were uh, but, but it, it sort of had still has gone down this sort of feeling of mm. that sort of thing I wonder if maybe they went back to yeah. sort of basics and went back to, hey, let's make this about family again. Yeah. Would people respond positively or would they go, no, 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 I... I because again, it's got a different audience these yeah. days. It doesn't have as all the people who used to be on board. Yeah. Do the people now, who the audience now who are watching it want that celebrity and, yeah. and quick pace? And I mean, the thing is, you do get episodes, even in the more recent seasons, where, look, they do do a proper, you know, A and B, where they do have a nice grounded story. It, you know, dipped a little bit, but it has, I feel, actually gotten back up mm -hmm. closer to what it has been. Can never go back. And to be honest, it probably shouldn't. Mm -hmm. The reason why I say this episode would not be successful today primarily from its pacing mm -hmm. point of view. Also, there aren't a lot of gags in this. 
And that's that's not what we know the series as. Mm. Funnily enough, one could argue that this episode had no right really being made when it was made anyway. There are elements of it that were quite risque. Mm -hmm. For example, using the word groin. Yeah. In a cartoon. I mean, now that sounds quite really silly. And you go, well, this episode is incredibly tame. But think about it 30 years ago. It was doing things and saying things that weren't really commonplace. Mm. Also, you know, could you sustain an animated series in primetime? Would people actually want to watch it? It had a winning formula. And that's pretty special to me considering they were still trying to work out what that bloody formula was. (laughs) And I have to acknowledge that Bart himself is such a central figure in the success of The Simpsons because here was this 10-year-old boy, you know, he was he was the age of the audience, yeah. right? Who didn't do well at school, who struggled, who was a bit cheeky, who was a bit naughty, but always had a heart of gold. Yeah. And I remember that even at the time, there were people saying that they were concerned about Bart as a role model mm. and parents particularly not really loving it. You know, he even says to... Santa, you know, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? You know, yeah. talking that way to adults. But on the flip side, I think he even had child psychologists saying Bart is a fantastic role model because he one of his taglines that was used on merchandise mm. was underachiever and proud of it. Mm-hmm. And the image would be him with his slingshot. This was unique. Mm. Here was a boy who openly did not do well at school who was poorly behaved, Mm. who had, you know, his own little issues and concerns, but he was relatable. Mm. He struggled in school. He had a family. He had friendships. He had bullies. Mm. So, again, this sort of plants the seed for that, I think, because Mm. pulling, you know, the beard off Santa, getting kicked out of the recital in the middle of the performance (laughs) because Mm. he's Mm. mixing up the the lyrics to, to Jingle Bells, We see this in Bart, but we see how much he pushes to have a successful and happy Christmas. He Mm. believes in it. So the makings of Bart as we know him are here. And he is a really key element to why this episode is so well done and so Mm. successful. The dynamic between Homer and Bart is just absolutely beautiful. You see and hear them squabbling, but you see those tender moments Mm. as well. So, Philip... The Simpsons has a legacy <laughs> that is still enduring. And as we've talked about and hinted at, you know, it's it's contentious, I suppose, <laughs> as well. Difficult to review this episode in a vacuum, but I'm absolutely okay with that. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I think it is so gorgeous. I'm actually curious, though, your final thoughts and a score <laughs> out of five. As I sort of said at the start, Simpsons has always been sort of there. It's not been my go-to and be-all and end-all, but it was always part of the childhood. Mm. It was always part of the consciousness. I think everyone's got a favourite episode. Everyone's got a favourite catchphrase. Yeah. Even my dad, who wasn't a fan of it, very regularly would say dough. (laughs) (laughs) Now in the dictionary. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So... Again, looking at it for its time, mm. looking for at it for its place, and looking at what it spawned, mm. essentially, I think that it would be disrespectful and dishonest to give it anything less than a five out of five. Well, Philip, I have failed absolutely 
absolutely miserably in trying to review and comment and think about this episode as a standalone where nothing else exists. <laughs> and I am more than happy to admit that and move on. Yeah. And um, yeah, don't really care, to be honest, no, because a- this series, these characters are my childhood, mm. my adolescence, my adulthood, my future. Mm. <laughs> because it's got a place, I think, in our culture that just can't be denied. Mm. And whether we like or dislike the more contemporary seasons, they exist, they are there, and we still engage with them, really, Mm. even if it's background noise Mm. on commercial TV. (laughs) I feel like this episode does a wonderful job of introducing these characters. As you've said, and I agree with you, are there other episodes, especially in the first season, that do it better? Absolutely, Mm -hmm. because this was not intended to be the pilot episode. So considering that it was not intended, gosh, it did well. (laughs) Like, actually, you get the dynamics done really well. It introduces enough to then make you want to know more. Mm. This has such a beautiful heart and spirit about it. Makes me long for shows like this, to be Mm. honest, to really have this. It is difficult to put so much sentiment into an episode without ever feeling like... There's a lot of sap and like, oh my gosh, just move on. You know, it's it's so beautifully put together. Mm. I love the characters in this. I love the world that it sets up. It entices you to want to revisit these people, which is what a great pilot should do. Mm. And this one absolutely does it. Simpsons roasting on an open fire. What an amazing pilot episode <laughs> to an amazing TV series. Five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun revisiting The Simpsons pilot episode on its 30th anniversary. The yes. so 17th of December was when it happened and it was wonderful revisiting it on this Christmas day. Yay. I've been a Wayne Cellini. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And, and you've just experienced Fred Watch. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Cue music. What, no theme song? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, scrap it, no theme song. (laughs) And scene. Blooper reel. Hello. G'day. Hey. Hello. Hey. Whoa. Hello. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films. Oh. Yeah, sorry, cut out films this time. Mm-hmm. G'day. Hello. Hello. Hey. hey. Whoa. Whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Did you say review and review? We review and review. I oh, might have. Yeah. yeah. One more time. Hello. No? Okay, no hellos. (laughs) Go away! (laughs) Get off me lawn! However, the job does not pay enough to buy his family Christmas presents. His family's Christmas presents. His family Christmas presents. presents. Yeah. How did you find roasting on a fire with the Simpsons? And the reason I say this was because I didn't realise that by... Mm. Merry Christmas. I need more. Thank you. Well, right episode for it. I need more caffeine. As opposed to these new ones where it is like lots of little skits. Mm. Skits. 
I've been Awain Stellini. I've been a Philip Hunting. And, and you've just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. Should we wish everyone a Merry Christmas, actually? Yes. Yeah. Ho, ho, yo!